I just look at this year and I believe God is going to give us, uh, really it's, it's a promise, they that sow bountifully shall also reap bountifully. And I think as God's people, if you uh, endeavor to sow bountifully, I believe that we'll begin to see fruit from that and we'll all begin to reap. And I would like to uh, kind of put forth a challenge uh, throughout this year for our testimony time. It would be great to hear, and I'm going to specifically ask in some weeks, uh, you know, just, hey, I want to hear uh, how you have sowed bountifully this week. And just, I want to hear how you're sowing bountifully. Where, where, in what area are you, do you see yourself putting extra effort and sowing a little bit more seed? And whether that's the seed of the Word of God in your heart or sometimes studying the Word or uh, presenting the Gospel or uh, working for Jesus, sowing, uh, where are we sowing for God? And uh, hopefully we see it in our lives and we're making it come to pass. And as a result, I believe that we're going to see great things this year as God's people are obedient to Him. But beloved, as much as I know that we are going to see and experience some great joys this year, I'm also equally convinced that we're going to endure some hardship this year. That somewhere throughout this year, and we don't know when it might be, but there's going to come some hardship, there's going to come some challenges into our lives, some things that from our perspective we don't understand. From our perspective we say, well, I can't comprehend why or what's happened here. I would like you to see that phrase in our text this evening as I bring you a message entitled, The Things We Cannot Comprehend. Look in Job chapter 37, beginning in verse number 5. We're going to read down through verse number 14. And I am going to preach to you. I don't expect to be very long. But I hope that it will be a challenge to us in preparation for what might come throughout this year. In Job 37, in chapter number 5, he said, God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he, which we cannot comprehend. God does some things in our life that we cannot comprehend. Now, follow along as we read these next verses and we begin to see how God moves things in the earth and God's hand is at work and He is orchestrating and, and uh, uh, directing the lives of men and in a broad way the creation here is what He's describing, but we see His handiwork. Look where He says in verse number 6, He's for, He saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth. Likewise, <laughs> yes, I knew I'd get an amen out of Martha. Uh, and as the Lord directed me to this passage, I thought, well, how fitting, since we just got dumped on. <laughs> hey, I, hey I, if we're going to have snow, I'm, I'm all for let's have a lot of it, you know, let's have it, amen, let's do it. Uh, it's, been, it's been fun, even though I haven't been sledding, uh, but some, some of the kids have. But he says here, for he saith unto the snow, be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man that he may Know his work. Then the beast go into the den and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind and the cold out of the north. By the breath of God frost is given and by the breath of the waters it is straightened. Also by watering he wearieth the thick cloud and scattereth his bright cloud. And it is turned round about by his counsels that they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world in the earth. He causeth it to come, 
whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. God giving here and speaking to Job and saying, Do you see the hand of God? Do you see how the clouds are directed by Him? The little rain comes and the great rain comes and the, the whirlwind comes and the snow is directed by Him and the, the animals are driven back to their dens or the hand of man is sealed up so that man would see and acknowledge God doing the work instead of Him doing the work. He's saying, stand still, Job, and see the wondrous works of God. There's a reason for these things, and some of these things we cannot comprehend. Beloved, we know that Deuteronomy 29 says, The secret things belongeth unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belongeth unto us. There's some things that we just aren't going to comprehend this side of glory. It has been a, a conflict man has had with God since the beginning of time, desirous to understand and to know what God knows. Well, beloved, you might as well uh, take a coffee cup and hang it over the side of the Niagara Falls and try and capture that flow of water as for man to try and capture and hold the knowledge of God. It's not, it's not possible. And, and so for us to, to fight or battle over things that are not for our concern or not for us to know, we need to, this is, beloved, where our faith steps in and we just trust. We can't comprehend it, but we can trust that he has a purpose and a reason, that he is directing the steps of a good man, that he is leading our life. And although we don't know uh, what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. This year is going to bring some things into our lives that we look at and we say, man, I, I'm not sure I can comprehend those things. Things that we don't understand, these secret things. A beloved, just as a wise parent who knows the innocence of his child would be destroyed by sharing with him all of the knowledge that he has as a parent. There is some things, depending upon the age of a child, which I wish public educators could get educated on. There's some things that a five-year-old does not need to know yet. That his innocency and his youth is being robbed and stolen because that is not knowledge that he needs yet. And beloved, God knows what we need. He knows what we need to understand and what we need to know right now. And there's some things that our minds are not prepared to hold or that we can't comprehend yet. And therefore, God has not given us that information. We know that his ways are not our ways and that his thoughts are not our thoughts. There is so much that the finite mind is incapable of comprehending. Some things we just say, oh, well not a big deal but sometimes we are driven to our heavenly father with the question why could I tell you that there's nothing wrong with asking God why Jesus Christ himself on the cross said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me but with your asking there needs to come an acknowledgement of God, you're in control. 
And if you choose not to tell me, it's okay. If you can help me understand, it would mean a lot. But sometimes this side of glory, it's not God's plan for us to know. This is when our faith must fill our hearts and we just trust him. As Job, we know he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I want to give you three points this evening about these things that come into our life that we cannot comprehend. He gives us an outline in verse number 13. He causes it to come. He says he's bringing this into your life. He expounds and explains all these things that God is directing, the snow and the wind and the weather and the, the, all of these things in, in creation that God is moving. And he says he causes this for a reason. And he gives us three points in verse number 13. He says, he causeth it to come, whether for correction, for his land, or for mercy. So I would have you think about tonight, first of all, that he causeth it to come for discipline. On occasion, God knows where we're at and that we are drifting and we need something to wake us up and God will bring discipline into our life. Whether it's for correction, he says. God sends the rain, and for our purpose of illustration, and, and maybe to make it more applicable, we would call it a storm, a storm in our life. And, and, and sometimes those storms come, and we would look here, he says, it's for a reason, it's for discipline. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, and verses 17 and 18, he says, It is not wheat harvest today. I will call on the Lord and he shall send thunder and rain that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great. He said, God is going to send thunder and rain so that you can see that your wickedness is great, that there's something that needs to be addressed. There's something that needs to be fixed. So Samuel called on the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel and all the people said to Samuel, pray for the servant of the Lord thy God that we die not for we have added unto all of our sins the evil in asking for a king. You know the story where they were plotting or striving to get a king and God says, that's not my plan. I, I want to rule you. They continue to persist, but, but in Samuel dealing with them here says, hey, God is going to send rain that you might wake up, that you might see what's going on. And beloved, sometimes uh, there, God sends rain as discipline. You remember a time, and we're going to get to it in our Sunday school class here in a few weeks. I don't know how quick we'll get there, but we're going to deal with the flood. God, God punished the whole earth because of the sin of man. Sometimes God sends rain or a storm into our life and I can think about my life in different occasions and times in my life where there was no question in my heart why I was going through that storm. Other people might have looked and said, oh, this was brought into your life and we don't understand why, but for me, I knew in my heart of hearts why it was there. We might sometimes question why we're going through something Beloved, just like a child that has a hard time understanding that the discipline they're receiving is motivated by love. I was joking with my kids the other day. I don't remember what story they were telling. They were telling some story, and, I, and 
I said, oh, yeah, like the, like the old saying, this is going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you, right? <laughs> I think it was Tim Lee that was preaching many, many years ago, and his dad was giving him a good paddling. He said, that, he said my dad looked at me and said, this is going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you. And I, I thought, give me that paddle, and we'll see who it's going to hurt. <laughs> Tim Lee was a Marine, if you don't know him. But anyways... God sends discipline in our life, and I want you to know that it's motivated by love. We might question or wonder why we're going through something, and we might not comprehend it. But it's motivated by love. There was a man who wrote this about his son. He said, the lad was dull at school, you see. So dad took the things to heart. He took the lad across his knee and made him smart. Sometimes it takes some discipline. <laughs> Sometimes you have to apply the Board of Education to the seat of learning. And God does that to us. Because we need, he wants to get our attention. We know Hebrews tells us, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Because we are his children, he's going to bring a storm into our life sometimes because it needs to be brought in for discipline. Could I encourage you to despise not the chastening of the Lord? Realize it's motivated by love. The God who made you and who saved you is trying to get your attention. You remember the story of Asa, that king who was a young man when he came to the throne. And I think he was eight years old when he began to reign. And it says continually that Asa... Uh, did right in the eyes of the Lord, that Asa did good, and, and he, he followed the Lord and, and did good all the way, his whole life. Right towards the end of his life, he, he went into battle and he didn't consult God, and, and the prophet Hanani, I believe it was, came to him and said, uh, hey, you're going to lose this battle because you, you're not, not consulting or following God, and I don't remember the exact conversation that Hanani had with him, but do you remember Asa got mad at him? He got mad at the man of God, just like I was talking about this morning. People don't mind you preaching until the preaching, until the preaching touches us, you know. Asa said, you're not going to tell me that. And he threw the man of God in jail. And then God gave a disease to the feet of Asa. And Asa, the Bible says it was exceedingly great. A storm was brought into Asa's life because Asa needed to wake up and see God. But did he see God? No. He went and consulted the physicians, trying to get healing. That's, that's what happened. And many times God's bringing something to our life and he just wants to get our attention and we're not responding. Beloved, what I'm saying is when unexplained rain falls, the first thing we need to do is say, God, is it me? Is there something that I need to do? Is there something that I need to change? But beloved, we know from the example given to us even in our text, the life of Job, that what Job was going through was not for discipline. We know that Job was an upright man. He eschewed evil. So God doesn't always bring things for discipline. He tells us secondly here, sometimes he brings it for development. He says, for it causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land. Now, ultimately, we know that all things belong to God and what I'm trying to get you to see here is that God knows what the land needs. God knows that in order to have a fruitful season that we've got to get some moisture in the ground. 
And God sends the moisture that's needed in order for the ground to be profitable and fruitful this year. God knows when we need the sunshine and when we need the rain and when we need the snow to kill off the, the, the bugs and the germs and all the cold weather. And, and each of the, God knows what we need. And God knows what the land needs. And, and God knows what we need personally. He sends things into our lives because he's trying to develop us. He's trying to prepare us to be fruitful in our next season of life. In Psalms 104, verse number 10, he says, He sendeth the springs into the valleys, which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, the herbs for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. What I'm saying is God knows what the earth needs. God knows what we need. And he brings into our lives things that we look at as a storm. But God's trying to develop us, to prepare us for the next stage of life, that we could be more fruitful. The Lord knows what you have need of before you even ask. And he's going to send some things into your life this year that maybe you don't understand. Maybe you don't know why. But you've got to trust I've known for some months that there was a possibility that the hunts were leaving us. They were praying about it, looking at it. I was praying with them that he would get right with Jesus. And, you know, <laughs> praying that God would give him clear direction and he would do what God wanted him to do. We wanted to be where God, where God wants him. And uh, we're, we're, we're happy for him. And uh, we don't think he's doing wrong by moving away from the church here. He's, he's heading down there. He's, he's doing it right with the right spirit and all that. So we're, we're for him. But uh, last Sunday morning on the way out of church, Doreen, I stopped and said, hey, Doreen, how are you doing? You know? And she's like, preacher, I'm doing good. She's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that uh, our family is going to be moving to Frederick sometime in the next couple weeks. And my heart just sinks, just, just crushed. I'm like, man, they've been here forever. She's like, you know, this is the first church that we came to when we came to America. And this is our church. But we're moving there, and it's going to be hard to come. We're still going to come back, and we're going to see you. You know, we're leaving. But for me as a pastor, the rest of the day, I mean, I'm just struggling in my spirit and saying, Lord, what am I doing wrong? What, what can I do different? You know, it seems like God brings one person in and it's like, praise the Lord, they're here and they're going to be a part of the church. And then two people leave. And, and God brings somebody and then the hunts decide they're leaving. And I'm just like, why, Lord? What, what do we have to do? And I just struggled with it in my heart and mind. And, and ultimately, Beloved, this is the Lord's church, and uh, it's, it's God's family. I'm just privileged to be a part of it. But uh, I was telling Brandon and Valerie this week that, that I carry the weight of the church. Uh, 
all the time. And, you know, that to me, when, when anybody, and they're leaving, they're, I mean, Evans and Doreen, they love the church. They, they love this place and, and they're, you know, they, they don't want to go. It's not like they're upset and, you know, somehow, I did, you know, they're not, well, pastor, we, we just don't like you anymore or whatever. I mean, they love the place, but hey, life has brought a change. And, you know, looking back here, seeing the Turners, when they, when they came back, I told them, they, they have no idea. I said, you have no idea how, how encouraging that is to me. So I said, for once, in 10 years, for once, somebody's moving this direction, <laughs> you know, instead of moving that way. You know, we get here, we minister to people, we love them, and, and, and then they move away. And you're like, oh, man. And, you know, we have that little window of opportunity to minister to them. But, of course, you're always sad to see them go. I tell some people live in areas where their ministry is in a uh, strong um, military area. And I said, I couldn't do it. I, maybe I get too attached, but every time a church member leaves, I'm like broken for several days. <laughs> you know, I said, that's just like, what? I said, man, I couldn't take it. These people come in for two years and then they get transferred out and they get moved away. And I mean, that's just that they're there for two years and they're transferred out. And, and the guy's like, yeah, he says about every four years, we almost have a whole new church. And you're talking about training new workers and establishing new Sunday schools and all these things. I said, man, I couldn't do it. I said, well, God's given you the grace to, to do it because I couldn't, man. That's hard. But God brings these things, and sometimes, beloved, it's to develop us. To develop us. You know, some of you that still have kids in the home, especially the younger ones, you know, you put things on their plate they don't like. <laughs> you, you, you stick that, you know, carrots and broccoli and green beans and peas and, you know, just the things that kids are like, oh, it's gross, mom. I don't like that. I don't want to eat that. And you're like, you're eating that. If you want dessert, you're going to eat that. that. You're going to eat this salad or you're going to eat whatever it is. Why? Because you know that it's good for them. And sometimes we don't like what God brings into our life and, and it feels hard and sometimes maybe even feel like, you know, like a child sitting there looking at mom. I remember as a kid myself, like looking at my parents bawling, thinking, why are you doing this to me? You're killing me. And uh, they're like, no, you're going to eat it. You aren't leaving this table until you eat it, you know. And, and God sometimes knows what we need. And we might look heavenward and say, Lord, I don't know if I can take it. But God says, you can. I'm with you. I'm going to help you. The older we get, we begin to see what it's for. And sometimes in our life, we get the privilege of being able to look back and see what God was doing. But certainly, when we get to glory, we'll be able to see it. There may be some things this year you don't understand. But you need to know that it's for you. God knows when the land is dry and it needs rain. And God knows what you and I need. Lastly, this evening, we see that he brings things into our lives for his mercy. This one's a little harder to understand. As we're looking at this and thinking about it, you know, you think about all that Job endured. And then you think about mercy but can I tell you, beloved, with all that Job went through, God was good to him. That Job received from God far more than he deserved. 
that God's goodness was expressed in several places in Job, but in James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, we get this admonition concerning him. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering and affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job, and having seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You guys know the story of Job and what God did in restoring him to above and beyond where he was. It is the mercy of God. And we know God's mercies are renewed every morning. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Psalms 103 verse number 10 says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. I'm thankful today for the mercies of God. We, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve any of it. I know, beloved, we start to think we do. We start to think we deserve it. We start to feel like we've earned it. We start to look for it, and if it's not present, we question or despise it. But we need to remember anything is more than we deserve. Anything is more than we deserve. Beloved, we will not know this side of heaven how much mercy we've experienced. We really don't. I don't think there's any way for us to comprehend the mercy that has been extended to us in our life. Because no matter how bad it's been, it could have been worse. The unexpected bill for $500 that we look at and say, why? Could have been 10000 You got into a wreck and lost your car and we say, oh, man, life is not fair. But it could have been your home. You broke your glasses and say, man, now they're scratching my face. I broke my glasses. It's missing the thing on this side right here, and it's, cut, it's cutting my nose. <laughs> I have to hold it up with my finger. <laughs> you, you broke your glasses, but you know what? You could have lost your eyesight. What I'm saying is in life, sometimes things come into our life and we think maybe it's punishment. We think, oh, I'm going through this because God's trying to develop me when really God's being merciful because what could have come. Many times when something happens, we think the worst, but we certainly don't know how bad it could have been. As a family, we're finishing up a book and it's actually tonight's the last night. We're going to finish the book tonight. And uh, this young man, his life story and going through Zoli's life. But this section we're in right now, he's talking about war and how war came into the city and town. And uh, we were reading the story about what happened and how they were driven from their homes. And he was was taking care of an orphanage and he had all these boys and he had to take them out into the woods and he's scavenging for food and living through the winter and trying to feed these boys. And, uh, you know, at the close of that chapter, I told the kids, I said, you know, you don't have uh, any idea how blessed we are. That although as Americans we have faced wars, 
and men have, and, and, and ladies and moms and wives have lost their partners and lost their sons and lost their husbands and their fathers, but we have never had to fight a war on our own soil. And when you fight the war on your own soil, you lose your husbands and your fathers and your sons, but you also lose your home. And your business is conscripted and, and taken over and, and maybe destroyed and the churches are burned to the ground and entire communities are, are wiped out. Men, are, are families, whatever the ladies had left, they're driven to, to fend for themselves in the woods or live in tents. What were relatively middle class, well-established families are now living in tents out in the woods. But I'm saying as bad, as bad as it gets, sometimes we don't realize how much mercy we really have. God has been merciful to us in such bountiful ways that we cannot comprehend it. There's no clearer example of the great mercy of God than the salvation of souls. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. God not giving us what we deserve. Beloved, this year we're going to endure some great hardships probably. There's going to be a lot of exciting things. But there's also going to be some things maybe we can't comprehend. And so I'm just trying to lay the groundwork and say, remember, God brings it sometimes for discipline. The first thing we need to do is say, God, is there something I need to learn? Something I need to change? And if not, and you're honest before God, then say, okay, is there some, an area that I need to grow? Am I being developed somewhere? And then in the end, we need to say, God, thank you. I realize no matter how bad it is, that it's still, I'm still experiencing your mercy. That I'm still experiencing your mercy. And God, I'm thankful for that. Because certainly it could be worse. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.